You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A poignant speech today from King Charles III, his first address to the nation as monarch. In his moving tribute, he promised to carry on the lifelong service of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II, culminating in an emotional message to his beloved mama. And to my darling mama, as you begin your last great journey to join my dear late papa, I want simply to say this, thank you. Thank you for your love and devotion to our family and to the family of nations you have served so diligently all these years. May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. Members of the royal family met with supporters today as they prepare for the next steps in laying the queen to rest and moving forward with King Charles' reign. Global's Kyle Benning has more on what happens next and how Canadians are paying tribute. A 96-round salute for 96-year-old Queen Elizabeth II. The United Kingdom and Commonwealth nations in a state of mourning. I speak to you today with feelings of profound sorrow. King Charles III making his first public statement since the death of his mother. He noted her steadfast dedication and duty to her role. We saw that abiding love of tradition, together with that fearless embrace of progress. Meanwhile, Canadians are paying tribute to the longest serving British monarch. Federal, provincial and municipal governments have organized books of condolences for people to offer messages of support. She's always been there. She's on everything. And so that feels, yeah, kind of unfathomable in a way. There are people who don't like the monarchy. But in general, you know, we all look to her, whether we wanted to or not. She's a pretty, pretty strong woman made of steel. We'll miss her. One Nova Scotian is using today to remember the conversation she had with the Queen three years ago. That was definitely an exciting moment. For Maggie Archibald and her twin sister were able to have a conversation with Queen Elizabeth while attending one of the royal family's garden parties in May 2019. I think she'll be remembered as, you know, someone who is special and unique and there wouldn't be, I don't think anybody will be able to replace her legacy. A date has not been set for the funeral, but Reuters reports the Queen's body will be brought from Scotland to Buckingham Palace on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, a procession will take place from the palace to Westminster, where it will lay for five days. Kyle Benning, Global News. 2,000 mourners gathered for a service of prayer and reflection for Queen Elizabeth at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. With proud thanksgiving, we gather in this cathedral today to mourn the death of our sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth II. We remember her long life spent in the service of this country and of her Commonwealth realms around the world. We give thanks for a life of devotion to God, her creator, redeemer, and sustainer, and of devotion to all her people. Members of the public were able to attend on a first-come, first-served basis, and it was broadcast live around the world. Emotion visible on many of the faces of those who attended. At the end of the service, God Save the King was sung for the first time. This was not the state funeral, the details of which will be announced in the coming days. 
King Charles uh, also announced new titles for several members of the royal family today. Prince William and Kate will take on the titles of Prince and Princess of Wales. William and Kate are now the first couple to use those titles since they were used by Charles and the late Princess Diana, who divorced back in 1996. There are no new titles for Prince Harry or his wife, Meghan Markle, although the king acknowledged his love for them in his speech. And as grandchildren of the monarch, Harry and Meghan's children, three-year-old Archie Harrison and one-year-old Lilibet Diana, have inherited the titles of Prince and Princess. Well, after having the same queen for 70 years, her death brings a long list of potential changes to the everyday lives of Canadians. And Madagahi now on what might change and whether Canada will have a national holiday on the day of the funeral. From the money and post-it stamps in circulation to the text in Canadian passports and the name by which we call familiar places. Tributes to the late Queen and her image are purposely present in everyday life for most people in this province. Our nation's grandmother, uh, we're all touched by the service that she has given us over the last 70 years. In the weeks, months and years that will follow the Queen's passing, there are many elements of her legacy that will remain here in Canada. And we're not going to retroactively go back and change everything that's ever been written. Uh, anything that said, you know, Queen's printer and Her Majesty and Right of Canada, all of those things will remain. But going forward, it'll change to His Majesty. The Bank of Canada says the $20 bill is intended to circulate for years to come, and there is no legislative requirement for it to change now. While the city of Vancouver says parks, facilities and buildings named after the Queen will not see a name change. But after Saturday's proclamation of King Charles, some change will come, but slowly. The Royal Canadian Mint will, will immediately stop minting new coins with the late Queen's image and will start minting coins with the new King's image. Things like your passport is uh, when it gets reissued, if, if you can ever get a passport, it'll be reissued and it'll say uh, His Majesty and Right of Canada rather than Her Majesty. While in the UK, it is widely thought that the Queen's funeral could be held on Monday, September 19th, leaving many to wonder if there will be a designated bank holiday and a day of mourning across the Commonwealth. This is a decision that the, the Prime Minister will make uh, if we're going to have a national holiday on the day of Her Majesty's funeral. Uh, I, I would hope the government follows suit and recognizes the solemnity of the event. An official government communication blackout so far making it difficult to know if there will be ceremonies held locally at the B.C. legislature or if schools could perhaps be closed on the day of the Queen's funeral. Imadagahi, Global News. Now, the death of Queen Elizabeth triggered a dizzying array of protocols and traditions that put the spotlight on the future of the monarchy. The royal family's role in this country has been questioned by a growing number of Canadians. And Sarah MacDonald reports on the possibility of an evolving relationship with the king. As the Commonwealth undergoes a seismic changing of the guard with the death of the queen and the crowning of a new head of state, what does that mean for Canada? It forces uh, awkward and maybe uncomfortable or even unwanted conversations in Canada. I know that her death brings great sadness to so many of you. As King Charles spoke Friday, one day after the passing of the world's longest serving monarch, he addressed a very different nation and world than his mother did in 1953. 
So is it time for the monarchy and Canada's relationship with it to change too? The answer is complicated and it depends on who you ask. We shouldn't be afraid to be able to look at what these new structures of government might look like. Cookby Judy Wilson and the Union of BC Indian Chiefs are calling on the king to take more meaningful steps towards reconciliation, education, and climate justice than his predecessor did. Starting with rescinding the doctrine of discovery, a centuries-old framework used by European countries to justify colonization. And why not change it now? He can do it. He has the power. When he visits, I hope to be in that circle to be able to share a few words with him. Apologies, no! In March, the now Prince and Princess of Wales face protests and pushback during a tour of Caribbean nations. I want to express my profound sorrow. Slavery was abhorrent and it should never have happened. As Jamaica, Belize and the Bahamas all mulled referendums on becoming republics, Jamaica now committed to doing so by 2025. Something an increasing number of Canadians seem to either be in favour of or indifferent to, according to a poll conducted in the spring, showing just over one-fifth of those polls want Canada to remain under the monarchy, and a little less than half insisting our head of state should be elected. Obviously the cultural side of it is in flux and Canada is a much more diverse uh, and different nation than it was when she took uh, the, the role of, of, of Queen 70 years ago. As an historic chapter of steadfast stewardship of the Commonwealth, however complicated, draws to a close, one thing is for certain, our King has his work cut out for him. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Learn to respect him for what he is and what he becomes in the future. Uh, I think, like any leader, he has to be—he uh, has to demonstrate his leadership, and uh, we have to uh, respect that uh, as time progresses. There's going to be a major shift from what was the establishment to a more modern royal family. Um, and as sad as it is to see her passing, I think it opens just such a wealth of opportunities to move forward. Part of our whole national sort of identity of, of maintaining sort of a, a heritage is, is, good for, is good for Canada. Britain has a new PM, now has a new king. Uh, long live the king, I say. Well, the death of Queen Elizabeth is bringing back memories for people in Vernon who are old enough to remember her visit to their community. People came from all across the province, uh, Canada, even the United States, up to see her. The old film footage gives it away. It was back in 1959 when the Queen and Prince Philip visited Vernon during her 45-day Canadian tour. Their appearance drew an estimated 15,000 people. That's 5,000 more than the town's population at the time. For anybody who was here in 1959 when she visited very briefly our little city, it would have been a, a very uh, significant event to, somebody ha to have somebody of her stature, our queen, to come and see it, this little town. Queen Elizabeth, captivating, absolutely beautiful. Her escort, Prince Philip, tall, strikingly handsome. Two people have carved a notch for eternity in the heart of Vernon. Together they captured a city. Hmm. The royals met with children, First World War veterans and members of the public. They were in Vernon for just over an hour.
And a surprise tribute to the Queen appeared in Grand Forks today. Residents woke up to this new mural on the side of the courthouse building. The city of Grand Forks says the artwork was done by renowned mural artist Archer. He apparently worked through the night to produce this large-scale mural, a tribute to the life and reign of Queen Elizabeth II. Satellite debris has something special planned later in the show to mark the Queen's death. Until then, another blow to Chinatown. The explosion and fire that closed part of the historic neighborhood. That's next on the News Hour. A warning from down under why health experts say this flu season could be bad if we don't take precautions. And clear skies could give way to smoky haze. How interior wildfires will impact the south coast coming up later. Right now, though, a man has suffered what are described as life-threatening injuries and a car bombing in the West Kootenai. RCMP were called to a home in the village of Montrose just east of Trail around 6.30 this morning where they found a 41-year-old man badly hurt. There was extensive damage to his vehicle, including the sunroof being blown out. He was rushed to the local Kootenai Boundary Regional Hospital, then airlifted to another hospital for further treatment. This gentleman is known to us, and we believe that this incident was targeted to him and his residents. Uh, we believe that the public was not in danger uh, and that uh, the neighbourhood is uh, safe at this time. Despite the serious injuries, the man is expected to survive. The RCMP's explosives device unit is expected to remain at the scene over the weekend to continue the investigation. Another fire at a Vancouver SRO has people in the neighborhood nervous. The latest at an historic four-story building in Chinatown. Ramina Dea now has more on how it may have started and what's next for the displaced residents. Fire erupts without warning. Dwayne Larson fast asleep when flames rip through his building. I, I smelled smoke and then about 30 seconds later, boom, the wall shook and everything. Larson, one of at least 40 residents at the single room occupancy building, now homeless. Nicole out for breakfast when the fire starts. Her cat trapped inside. I'm worried about my cat. I want to know at least if she's dead or alive. Firefighters responding to two fires at the Kiefer Rooms in Chinatown. One on the roof and one in a kitchen on another floor. There were two different people. I think one was on the top floor, on the fourth floor, and one was on the second floor. And the firemen had to kick in the back door on the fourth floor. It took the tenant quite a while to get himself together to climb down the fire escape. And there were lots of firemen on the way down to assist him. Crews have done a primary search and the primary search was uh, deemed all clear. As far as we're concerned, the building is all clear. It's too early to say whether arson is suspected. Residents tell us it's the second fire here in two months. Hundreds of low-income residents have been displaced after fires at several SROs this year. Two people dead at the Winters Hotel in April and one dead at the Empress in June. We've had quite a few fires in the last month or so and uh, it made me very nervous. I know people that live in this building. I know other employees that I work with and, um, and I'm worried for the safety of the tenants and of course my friends. While residents in this tight-knit community are worried about when they'll be allowed to return home, they are encouraged by the small victories. Romina Dea, Global News.
A woman who posed as a nurse at BC Women's Hospital is facing a string of new charges. 50-year-old Bridget Clarou is already serving seven years for similar offenses in Ottawa. She's now facing 15 new counts, including assault, assault with a weapon, and using a forged document. They relate to her time at BC Women's in 2020-2021. Since Clarou was not qualified to be a nurse, the assault with a weapon charge relates to allegedly administering a needle. Vancouver police have spoken with dozens of alleged victims and say more charges are possible. Just ahead, let down by an airline. This is more than an inconvenience. This is my life. What Air Canada did to her wheelchair that spoiled the trip. And the by-election in Surrey South with Liberal Stephanie Cadieu out. Why there's so much at stake. Traffic is steady over here in both directions tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, which is left over volume as usual on the east-west connector through Richmond. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million plus an estimated six max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Voters in Surrey South will be casting ballots tomorrow to choose a new MLA. The vacancy created when Liberal Stephanie Cadu took a job with the federal government. As Richard Zussman reports, there's a lot at stake in a riding that was one of the closest races in the last election. Hi, I'm Eleanor Sturko. I'm running for MLA of Surrey South. It is the final push to get some support. Just two years ago, the BC Liberals won Surrey South by fewer than 1,200 votes. Eleanor Sturko is aiming to keep the seat. I um, really am inspired by my job in policing, uh, the things that I've seen on the street dealing with serious crime here in Surrey, dealing with untreated mental health and addictions issues really have inspired me to take this step. For the BC NDP, Pauline Greaves is running again, trying to make this a referendum on Kevin Falcon, a test to see if the new Liberal leader is resonating with voters. He promised to deliver on the extension of the SkyTrain and he failed to deliver on that as well. I am a part of a team that has a history of getting things done in British Columbia. Sturko would walk into this door and join the Liberals in opposition. No doubt the party hopes to hold on, but if Greaves is able to flip it, she would walk through here, no doubt on the back of the fact that Surrey South would be represented by someone in government. We'll be focusing on those things that we're hearing about um, when we go out knocking and talking to people in the community, which is delivering um, the, the hospital, completing the Massey Tunnel, and doing the extension of the SkyTrain. This could also serve as a litmus test for John Horgan's government as issues pile up for the NDP. But we do have those big issues out there, healthcare in particular, which the Premier has acknowledged is in crisis. Uh, and of course, the cost of living, and, and I would say also perhaps the crime issue, uh, which affects all of the lower mainland and perhaps Surrey. So put all those things together, and, and I think that's uh, an uphill battle. And although the Liberals and the NDP are the favourites, it is the upstart BC Conservatives who could be the disruptor. Harman Bangu hoping to be more than just a BC Liberal vote stealer. A lot of people in my constituency are fed up with the BC Liberals, they were the coalition party, but I don't think there is a coalition anymore. The Greens are running Simran Sarai. Advanced voting is indicating turnout could be very low. Thank you guys for your support. Meaning each and every voter convinced Find to cast their ballot carries a little more weight. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart is hoping to keep it all in the family in the upcoming civic election. Stewart's Forward Together team has added his wife, Jeanette Ash, to the slate. She's chair of the political science department at Douglas College. Priorities listed in her campaign bio include building more housing with complex care, expanding overdose prevention sites, and adding more public washrooms. Ash recently ran unsuccessfully for the NDP in the Vancouver Quilchenna by-election, losing to B.C. Liberal leader Kevin Falcon. A Toronto disability advocate says she is stranded in Tel Aviv and unable to attend an accessibility conference after the wheelchair, which she says powers her entire life, arrived in a mangled mess. As Kylie Stanton reports, the founder of Access Now is calling out Air Canada, claiming the airline needs to do better. A ten-and-a-half-hour flight can be enough to rattle anyone. But imagine finally touching down, only to be left virtually stranded. I feel that my life is less than. It's not equal. And it's a horrible feeling. Mayan Ziv was travelling on Air Canada from Toronto to Israel, set to attend an accessibility conference. But because people with disabilities aren't permitted to board any aircraft with a personal electronic mobility device, Ziv had no choice but to check her wheelchair. Showed up at the airport four hours in advance with bubble wrap and caution tape and stickers that say fragile. And we really, you know, did as much as we could. But despite those efforts, this is what she arrived to. My wheelchair was just damaged. It's barely moving. It was a surprise and a complete shock. We're treated like luggage, like cattle. Through tears, Ziv posted this video describing the ordeal on her Instagram account. Thousands of people have shown their support in the form of likes and comments. But Ziv is far from alone. This is almost expected now. They see a chair, it's a piece of luggage, throw it on the plane. It's not. It's someone's life. According to the U.S. Department of Transportation's most recent data, 1,145 wheelchairs and scooters were, quote, mishandled by American Airlines in June of 2022. Canada does not keep such records. Ziv was sent to the baggage claim to report the issue. Now I'm here, stranded, without my wheelchair, without my independence, and I'm literally just stuck. In a statement to Global News, the airline's media relations team said, we deal with our customers directly. However, I can tell you we remain in contact with this customer to address her concerns. In the meantime, Ziv says Air Canada has offered her a $300 e-coupon for her troubles. It's not enough. I want equity for all people with disabilities who travel. Because my story is not unique. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Still to come, Chinatown Takeaway. It's inspirational that we could also achieve this. What this Vancouver delegation is learning from San Francisco that they hope will save their own neighborhood. And what Australia can teach us about the upcoming flu season before it even gets here. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Still a little busy both ways over here at the Massey Tunnel this evening. Southbound traffic on the 99 through Richmond is slow from south of Blundell. Northbound traffic, you're seeing delays on that Steveston off-ramp. 
Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million, plus an estimated six max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Tunnel. The suspect, accused of attacking a beloved Chinatown security guard last month, is now wanted on a BC-wide warrant. Police say 44-year-old Kevin Aaron Hibbard failed to attend court on Thursday. He's accused in the August 12th attack on Harold Johnson, the 64-year-old security guard who has been patrolling Chinatown for 20 years, was making his morning rounds near the Chinese Cultural Center when police say he was repeatedly punched by a stranger. Dr. Sun Yat-sen, Classical Chinese Garden, launched a community fundraising effort to help Johnson recover, and today they handed over a check for $20,000 to Johnson and his wife. I want to present a check for $20,000 to Harold for his contribution and commitment and dedication for Chinatown and the community. Thank you. I'm grateful. It's shocking. And what the gardens did for me, Brandon and I are so overwhelmed with the merchants did, what the gardens did, started to go fund me. It's just amazing. Johnson, who's still recovering from a concussion and broken nose, says he did not know his attacker. Hibbard was arrested within hours, but was released from custody with a future court date. If you see him, you're asked to call Vancouver Police or Crime Stoppers. A delegation of Vancouver Police and business leaders is back home after a trip to San Francisco, a city that seems to have found its own solutions to the same crime and chaos plaguing Chinatown here. As Kristen Robinson reports, one challenge will be to get the city and community to invest in a safer Chinatown. The VPD and community leaders wrapping their tour of San Francisco's Chinatown at a debrief with the city's police chief. I know we have some of the same challenges. Who plans to send some of his members north to see what Vancouver is doing. These types of partnerships also are part of the solution, in my opinion, because nobody knows it all. And what works for you all may work for us and vice versa. Right now, this is not working for Vancouver. People are afraid to visit Chinatown due to random attacks, street disorder and open drug use. A block away, the downtown east side remains the historic neighborhood's biggest challenge. But the hope is to build on San Francisco's vibrancy. Beautified laneways, bustling streets, graffiti removed within 48 hours and a sense of safety. It's inspirational that we could also achieve this because it wasn't always like that down here in Chinatown. We work as a community uh, amongst with the merchants, with the landlords, with the associations, with the VPD, with the city. We can get that done in, in a more, much more productive way as what they've done here in San Francisco. It has been an uphill battle, but after struggling with the same issues as Vancouver in recent years, San Francisco's Chinatown bounced back, thanks to passionate community volunteers invested in change and police officers who've bonded with business owners. Including a regular shift of beat cops, some of whom speak both Cantonese and Mandarin. I think it's what we reimagined Chinatown would be. Beat cops on the streets in Chinatown, getting to know the merchants and really developing that sense of trust. But local government, the group says, needs to support the effort in order to see real change. The leadership has to come from the top, from, from City Hall, and to embrace that sort of uh, 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 relationship. I'm absolutely sure we can get there. We saw what happened here in San Francisco. And I think that's something that's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. 
And like I said, it's working together as a community. And then from that, you know, anything is possible. It needs resourcing, it needs funding, but it also needs a commitment from the community that's going to step up as well. Look at that, eh? Deputy Chief Constable Howard Chow also says the public won't be footing the bill for the group's four-day trip south. It's not funded by taxpayers. It's funded by the police foundation and donors that have a vested interest in Chinatown because they want to see the issues and challenges fixed. I'd say don't give up. This is, this is an effort that takes an entire community. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a warning from health experts. This year's flu season could be particularly nasty. They're urging everyone to get a flu shot and continue with COVID safety measures. The return to the classroom, usually a precursor to respiratory illness season. And according to experts, this year the flu virus is poised for a return. We haven't seen influenza in the last couple of years, but people are traveling more, we're doing more together. So it's, and we look at what happened in Australia, New Zealand, we see that influenza was a fairly bad season this past year for them, and it came early. Back to school, combining with the relaxed public restrictions compared to pandemic fall and winter seasons in the past meaning many are no longer taking the same precautions to slow COVID-19, putting infectious disease experts on alert. Use of this uh, mask, uh, sanitation, uh, keeping uh, two meters from each other help a lot to stop the, the flu uh, infection that we, in general, we have in the, in the cold months. We expect that we will have a, a, an increase, a, a spike in the infection for both the viruses. At what extent, we don't know, but we need to be prepared. Any flu season usually starts around October to November is when it really, and it peaks in uh, end of November to December. The province says the flu vaccine rollout is only weeks away, with Dr. Bonnie Henry encouraging many to not only take advantage of their eligibility for a COVID-19 booster this fall, but the flu shot as well. It's an added layer of protection that everybody should get their flu vaccination because it will actually help prevent any severe outcomes from the flu. Pharmacists recommend making an appointment before walking in for the flu shot and to couple this layer of protection with masking and monitoring symptoms. The flu symptoms is actually much like a cold. You do get actually runny nose, plugged up nose, um, sore throat can occur, but then there's fever added to that as well too, body aches and a general feeling of unwell. Hopefully again, if that you, you do take care of yourself, get the rest that you need and actually had that flu vaccine that it won't be as severe. Avoiding severe illness is all the more important now with staffing issues in healthcare. Emadagahi, Global News. Up next, a new fire they couldn't wait to fight. How much the fire is growing and the impact on air quality on the lower mainland. And coming up in sports, the battered BC Lions back in action with almost immediate drama at quarterback. Summer might be winding down, but the wildfire season is not letting up. A new fire near the community of Hope is now 50 hectares. And with hot, dry weather in the forecast, it's expected to keep growing. Paul Johnson reports. Few things are more thrilling to see than a chopper-led aerial attack on a steep mountainside. Sad, really sad. The Flood Falls Trail Fire was in full view of anyone driving Highway 1 in eastern Fraser Valley Friday. 
Monica Campbell of Hope worries it could be a disaster for a beloved hiking spot. You go and you hike and you can go up and see the, the falls and hear the water and it's just it's a wonderful experience. The BC Wildfire Service got the report of the fire late Thursday. By Friday morning, conditions meant this was a fire they weren't going to monitor, but one they'd have to fight. Currently, we have 41 firefighters and five helicopters on site. The fire is currently estimated to be 50 hectares in size. Due to hot, dry conditions and gusty winds, growth is expected on that fire today. So check out this staggering view right from the main drag here in Hope. Hope is actually between two fires right now, this one to the west and another burning further east near Manning Park. Neither of them are expected to threaten the town itself. Well, the Eastgate fire near Manning Park has triggered an evacuation alert. No structures there are currently threatened. All eyes now are on the expectation that outflow winds from the interior could send smoke from the two fires streaming into the Fraser Valley. As for the fire west of Hope, officials believe it was human-caused but have not elaborated. Some residents suspect a connection to a homeless encampment in the woods there that they've been worried about for years now. There's some motorhomes down there, some trailers down there. Um, you know, it's a big mess. In Hope, Paul Johnson, Global News. Weather's not helping. No, and for more on that, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon. Uh, going to be a hot weekend and um, smoky in some parts. Christy? Yeah, so that's the biggest concern. This could be the sort of the last blast of summer and a lot of people want to make use of it, but we are concerned about smoke and I want to show you the areas that we're mostly concerned about. So the two fires that Paul just mentioned up towards Hope, but there's actually two clusters of fires that are actually near the border that are producing more smoke than those ones up near Hope. And it's that smoke that I'm more so concerned about. This is where it was this morning. And since this morning, it has shifted a little bit above the border. I wasn't able to get a more up to date shot with this clear of an image. So I just wanted to show you this. It impacted Victoria through much of the day today. But this is the forecast where it shifts up into our region tomorrow, at least by later tomorrow and then into Sunday. So at the very least, we are expecting hazy conditions. It shouldn't impact the fact that you can enjoy the sunshine and the warmth. But if it becomes heavy at times, of course, that will drop the temperature a bit. Also, we're expecting smoke to shift in through the Okanagan Valley. It's been pretty nice in through those regions as of the last couple of days. But that easterly flow so pushing it towards the west could impact those as in, in the interior regions and through the Okanagan Valley. So I've put those in the icon, as you can see there. But temperatures approaching the 30-degree mark in the interior and for areas away from the water. There'll be a huge variation in temperature across the lower mainland tomorrow and again on Sunday. We are expecting a little bit more clouds Sunday and Monday, uh, but temperatures will still be above seasonal. And we've got no significant rain in the forecast, which is a little bit of concern when it comes to the fires. But, of course, a lot of people are loving that since we've got great weather on the way to enjoy. This photo coming to you from Karen Kerr. She said this was incredible. She even got some video, but I wasn't able to get the video in time. But it shows a bear and two surfers there out in Tofino. Pretty unique shot. All right, guys, back to you. He's going back for his surfboard. <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> that is pretty cool. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Squire joins us now with sports. Remember when we took those surfing lessons in Tofino? I remember they were sinking lessons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what it felt like. My guess is if there was a bear on the beach chasing you, you would learn how to surf real fast. <laughs> the only problem is you're going the wrong way. I guess so. You're coming towards him, yeah. That's right.
Okay, we'll show you what's happening with the BC Lions here in Montreal. Uh, quarterbacking situation has changed yet again for them. Canucks are bringing in a veteran uh, defenseman as a tryout player. And the Major League Baseball is changing some rules. We'll tell you about that. All right, thanks, Squire. Also tonight, a final tribute to Her Majesty in satellite debris. Tea? Oh, yes, please. Consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. All right, Squire is here now. Squire, what you got? Well, we'll talk about the BC Lions. You know, when Nathan Rourke was healthy and playing great, he kept saying the Lions' success wasn't all because of him, which was extremely modest but not very accurate. The Lions are starting their third straight game with a third different quarterback. Antonio Pipkin is starting tonight in Montreal, and the Lions are not even close to looking like the team they were when Nathan Rourke was running the show. And Vernon Adams is Pipkin's backup. Both used to play for the Montreal Alouettes. So here's Pipkin. Back to pass. Ugh, knocked down. Lions would get a field goal on that drive, though. Pipkin back to pass. He's sacked for a safety, so it's 3-2. Chance for the Alouettes here. They try a bit of trickery. The Lions sniff this one out. Gary Peters the pick. Don't worry about the fumble. It's still BC's ball. But then Stefan Flintoff goes Shankopotamus here. Oh, that's not a good kick. Yikes. All right. They'll pay for that. Dominique Davis comes in, the short yardage quarterback, and takes this one just over the line. Two-point conversion failed, 8-3 Montreal. Vernon Adams gets in the game, playing his old team. His first play as a BC Lion, he is sacked. In the second quarter, he does complete a pass here to Keon Hatcher. And it's ball on the carpet. And Montreal has it, and they'd eventually turn this into a touchdown by Eugene Lewis. Montreal was leading 21-3 after the first half. The Lions have just scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Pipkin getting in to make it 21-10. Maybe there's a comeback in the offing. Who knows? The Vancouver Canucks are going to bring in veteran defenseman Danny DeKaiser on a tryout basis during training camp. He is 32. He has spent his whole NHL career with Detroit. But at one time, you might remember, if you're a fan of the Trail Smoke Eaters, he played for Trail back in 2008-2009. Now, he was a bit of a point scorer, I mean a bit, early in his career, but he's more defensive now. Isn't afraid to sacrifice his body. He will block shots. When he did play for Detroit, averaged about 18 and a half minutes. At best, he would be a third-pairing defenseman in Vancouver. That's if he was able to make the Canucks. But he didn't always play in Detroit last year, so that means he's a long shot to make it in Vancouver. Major League Baseball announced some rule changes for 2023 designed to speed up the game. One 
is a pitch clock. You have 15 seconds to throw the pitch if the bases are empty, 20 seconds if people are on base, and two infielders must be on either side of second base, and they must be all standing on the infield dirt when a pitch is thrown. That avoids defensive shifts and loading up on one side. Also, the bases are going to be a few inches bigger, not just for safety purposes, but also to encourage base stealing. They're not getting enough young fans watching the games. They feel things have to go faster. There you go. All right. Attention spans. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a problem. All right, we've got something you're going to want to stick around for just a couple of minutes later on Satellite Debris. All right, Jordan Armstrong standing by with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan. Sophie, an alleged prolific offender remains in custody tonight after Abbotsford police say he crashed a stolen vehicle into a home. Fortunately, the occupants of the home near Clearbrook Road and Charlotte Avenue were not hurt. Tonight we'll tell you what the suspect was apparently trying to avoid when that collision occurred. Plus, evacuation alerts have now been issued for a growing wildfire near Hope. We have a camera out there tonight and we'll have new video of the blaze at 11. Sophie? Sounds good. Thanks very much, Jordan. All right. In a week where we have noted the historic and monumental death of our head of state, the monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, and a changing of the guard, a new era, it seems only right that satellite debris would have something to say about it too, Squire. Yes. And you may have seen yesterday, uh, they would show clips of a uh, video they did for the Platinum Jubilee, Queen Elizabeth and Paddington Bear. So the Queen got to show her acting skills in this because, of course, Paddington <laughs> Bear wasn't really there. It was another actor. She had to react to him, and she did a great job. So we thought we'd show you the entire video right here. like a marmalade sandwich. I always keep one for emergencies. So do I. I keep mine in here. Oh. For later. The party is about to start, Your Majesty. Happy Jubilee, man. And thank you for everything. That's very kind. 
seems an appropriate way to end the week, doesn't it? She was very good. Yeah, she was. She did well. Yep. She she was known for her sense of humor, and you know that she would have got a, a big kick out of doing. And it. she did she did the bit with uh, the Daniel James Craig. Bond bit, Daniel Craig at the Olympics that year as well, and insisted she wasn't supposed to have a line in that. She insisted she should have a line. Well, she, she says she was the queen. Yeah, she I was gotta say queen. something. Exactly. Well, folks, thank you very much for watching. It's been a very long week, but uh, we appreciate your trust in joining us for it. Long live satellite debris and long live the king. Have a good night, all. Have a good weekend.